Good morning, church. Hey, y'all are excited today. There must be some expectation in the room. That's good. That's good, man. It's so good to see all of you here this morning. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Brian. I'm the teaching pastor uh, here at Fusion City Church, and I'm really excited uh, about what today and, and all that it means and all that we are going to share with you uh, today. Um, so if you're ready for it, here it is. All right. Today, we're going to have a great time together. Are right, you guys ready for that? Are you excited? All right, we're going to get to it. I promise we're going to get to it. We, are, we're, we, we, we do have something really exciting that we want to share with you guys today. I just like toying with your emotions as much as possible. I might do that a few more times before we actually get to the, to the big reveal for today just because it's fun for me up here. And uh, I know that y'all love me. Uh, and so even if I do that a bunch of times, like y'all are still going to come back, right? Yeah, gonna, okay, good. All right, so um, now actually we, for the last several weeks we've been in this series called Choices. And we, we've talked all in, about in this series how the, the choices that we make, they matter. Even the little decisions that we make every single day, we, we seldom have an opportunity to understand how far the ripples of our decisions carry. And that even, even the smallest choices that we make can have tremendous impact on our lives. But, but there comes a time, several times I believe, in all of our lives where we know that the decision that we're facing or the decision that we're about to make carries with it huge implications, right? So, so ladies, when, when that guy gets down on his knees and pulls out that ring, you know this is a moment. This, this, is, a, this is a big yes or no. You know that. Right? When you've been at your job for the last decade or more and you're the expert, you're the professional, but, but, but you're, you've become a little bit disenfranchised for whatever that company is and so you interview for that next job and then you're sitting across the table from that interviewer and they say, hey, the new job is yours if you want it and you have a decision to make. Do I stay with what's familiar in the place that I've kind of put my roots down and where I know all the people and I'm an expert or, or do I take... This new job, this new venture, this, this new season. Now there are times in our life where we know that the decision that we've made or that we're getting ready to make carries with it the largest of implications. And so today I want to share a little bit um, with you about our story as a church and the decision, a big decision that, that we have made as a church concerning the future of Fusion City Church. And I want to do that through, a, through, a, through the lens of a story, an account in Scripture that is often taught and often read and often preached. If you've spent any time in church at all, you have heard the story of the Samaritan woman and her interaction with Jesus found in the Gospel of John chapter 4. Now the reason that you've heard that so many times in your life is because this account in Scripture is preacher gold. I mean, if you can't preach out of John 4, brother, you can't preach. I mean, it's got evangelism, it's got inclusivism, it has grace and truth and forgiveness, it's got it all. If you can't preach out of John 4, you need to hang it up and quit. Like, you can't preach. And so today, I want to refer us to a story that you have heard probably a lot of times out of Scripture. But, but for me, this week, in reading this and in, pre- in preparing for this, and as we were kind of getting ready for today, and I-, I noticed something in this account that I've never really paid much attention to before. And I want to draw your attention to it today. 
as well. Now, in order to set it up, what I want to do is I want to start at the end and then come back to the beginning. So I want to start at the end of the account, John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42. It says that many Samaritans from that town believed in him. The him there is Jesus. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Twice in this account, the word many is used. Many believed because of the woman's testimony, and then many more believed because of their interaction with Jesus. Now, if you were with us last week, we, we talked a lot about the limited time that we have, that, that in the expanse of time from eternity past into eternity future, that our life is but a blip, that we have this limited amount of time here on the earth, and that we should value that, right? Because when you have something that is of great value but limited amounts of it, that you should treat that very carefully, and we should be very wise with how we spend our time, and that, and that when we're figuring out how to spend this really limited amount of time that we have, that we want to make sure that in that limited expanse of time that we have, that we give God the reverence that he is due. Because we, in our little fraction of time, are so small in comparison to God who has existed forever in the past and will exist forever into the future. And that when we recognize that and when we realize that, that we should honor him with just a little bit of time that we have. And if that is true, that we should give God the reverence that he is due because of who he is, because of how massive his glory and his righteousness and his holiness are. That if we're going to do that, I think that all of us would agree that on some level that more people should come to believe in him because of our story. A couple of weeks ago, I met a new friend here at church. It's interesting, this making friends in 2018. So uh, I met her here on Sunday, I shook her hand on her way out, and I recognized her, and she'd been here a few times, I shook her hand. And then the next week, she came back, or I'm sorry, that afternoon, she added me on Facebook, right, because that's what you do now. Like, you don't, you don't start a real relationship first, you start an online relationship first, and then that grows into, like, a real personal relationship. Like, like that's it's so friending in 2018, it's, it's all the rage, it's great. So uh, I, I kind of met her, then we became Facebook friends, because that makes it official, and then it was so funny, because the following week, she was like, hey, I wanted to officially meet you, right? <laughs> it, was so, it was so weird. So we, 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 now we're friends, um, Facebook and officially, I guess. So, uh, so I met her, and then I realized this past week on Facebook, she, she made this post, and she was sharing some of her story and, and all that God had done in her life, and then she concluded her post with, with this phrase, this line, and she said, look, this has, Jesus has radically changed my life, and if you want to know how to be free in the same way that he set me free, I'd like to have a conversation with you. And I thought that was so profound. It was just awesome to me to see her put this out there, her story, and then ask for, for those who didn't yet know Christ to have a conversation with her. And, and for me and for the other pastors here at Fusion City Church, this is the vision that, that we have for our church. That many more would believe because of their interactions with the people that call Fusion City Church home. But that's our vision. 
We want this community to be forever changed and impacted because people in this community bumped into somebody that calls this church home and their life was no longer absent from the presence of Christ because they had an interaction with somebody from Fusion City Church. That's our vision. That's what we want. So with that in mind, I want to take us back to the beginning of this woman, this Samaritan, Samaritan woman's encounter with Christ. So if you would, back up with me to John chapter 4. We're going to start or continue reading, I guess, in verse 3. And it says, he being Jesus, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, in our modern context, none of this sounds unusual. There was a man who was tired and thirsty. And so he sat down next to a well and a woman walked up who had means to draw water from the well. And he says to the woman, hey, can I get some water? But that is not at all the simplicity of this interaction. You see, Jesus was a Jew. The Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. They, they hated each other, these Jews and Samaritans. Furthermore, men didn't talk to women in public ever. I read a commentary last week that said some, most of the time, husbands wouldn't even speak to their wives in public. So, so a Jew man speaking to a Samaritan woman would be like a UNC fan going to a Duke Carolina game and pulling for Duke. Like it's just not going to happen, right? UNC fans don't pull for Duke ever. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. It's against the laws of nature. It just doesn't happen. And, and that's kind of the scenario that we have going on here. Jews never talked to Samaritan. Men never talked to women. Yet there's a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. This is craziness in this, in this context. Now, again, for us, not so much. This exchange is going to forever change this woman's life. But before we get to the rest of her story, I want to draw your attention to the location. Jesus stopped where he stopped because there was a well there. This woman came to this location because there was a well. And that's where she came to get water. Wells and wells and springs, and then the gates of the city were, were community-rich environments in this context. It's, it's where people hung out. It's where they interacted with one another. It's where they spent their time meeting other people. When, when you went to a well or when you went to a spring or when you were hanging out at the city gate, you just expected to encounter other people. But the scripture tells us that this was the sixth hour. This was middle of the day. This is noontime in one of the hottest climates on the face of the planet. This lady came to a community rich environment at a time in which she expected to find 
no community. See, typically people would go early in the morning in the cool of the day to get their water, or they would go late in the evening because it was hot in this area, and carrying water is not the easiest of physical tasks. And so they would do it early in the morning or late at night when it was cool. But here this lady is in the heat of the day, expecting to find no one, and who she finds is Jesus, and he speaks to her. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Now, the conversation that follows is pretty remarkable. For the sake of time today, I'm not going to read it, but you should. You should go to John chapter 4 and read this. Jesus tells this woman all of her sins, right? She's like, hey, where do you get this living water? He's like, I'll tell you, but first go call your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. Jesus is like, I know. You've had five of them, and the dude you're shacking up with now, he ain't your husband either. And then she changes the subject because that's what you do when somebody tells you you've had five husbands and I know the dude you're shacking up with now ain't your husband either. It's like, oh, let's talk about something else. And that's exactly what she does. So she changes the conversation. She changes the topic to theology and the correct way to worship. And Jesus is like, all right, we want to do that. We can, we can do theology. Let's do theology. And this is what he says. Verses 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, to her, I who speak to you am he. Now get this with me. Follow me. This woman came to a well at a time when she expected nobody else to be there. Why? Could it be because she's ashamed? Could it be because she's had five husbands and everybody in town knows it? Could it be that she just wanted to remain lonely and outcast because of the shame that marked and identified her life? Could it be that she came to the well because she didn't want to talk to anyone Imagine her relief. When she gets there and she sees somebody, she's like, oh, no, there's somebody here. Oh, but wait, he's a Jewish man. There's no way this guy's going to talk to me. And then he does. And as the conversation goes on, we get to this hinge point in their interaction where she's like, ah, there's, there's, there's a right way to worship and a wrong way, but one day this Messiah, this Christ guy, he's going to show up and he's going to explain all of this. And then we'll finally know the right way to worship. And Jesus is like, you're in luck. Today is your lucky day because the one who speaks to you is he. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that knows all. I'm the one that knows your sin and chose to speak to you anyway. And about this time, Jesus' disciples show back up. And they had been off to get food. Verse 27, it says, Then just 
then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? I love this. Right, let's just stop right here for a minute. This has nothing to do with my message today. This is just funny for me. Right? How many times have the disciples at this point asked stupid questions and Jesus is like, would you stupid boys just shut up a little bit? Like, they, don't, they don't even want to ask him. Like Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. They're like, this is the craziest thing ever. I ain't saying nothing. Just, again, I like scripture. It's funny to me sometimes. So let's jump back into the message. Like, again, nothing to do with what we were talking about back into the message. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and they were coming to him. And then I want to take us right back to where we started, the very end of this encounter. And it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Many believed, and then many more believed. A city was changed because there was a woman who had a conversation, a conversation that took place because there was a man there who wanted a drink, a conversation that happened because there was a well. There was a community-rich environment that connected Christ to a woman who so desperately needed to be connected with Christ. And the result of this connection is a city that was changed forever because of their encounter with Jesus. Four and a half years ago or a little more, we made the decision as a staff of Fusion City Church, myself and the other two members of the pastoral leadership team, to do church at this YMCA. You see, so we've, we've always had a vision for our church that we would be a church that positively impacts our community the way that I like to say it, and I say it kind of often, is that I want to be the kind of church that if we were to close our doors that a city would mourn. No, that's the kind of church that I want to be. And so as we set out to try and figure out where we were going to do church, we decided on the YMCA because we wanted to be good stewards of the finances that we received from so many of you. And so this was our, this was our thinking. This is our logic. Hey, let's do church at the Y. Because that, that, that's, that's a good stewardship of our resources. It's a community center. It's a community-rich environment. So not only will it be us being good stewards of what we have received, which allow us to do more ministry, because it costs a little bit less to do ministry, at, to do church at the Y. It, it allows us to be better stewards of the other finances that we have, to pour them back into making the community a better place. And then, check this out, now not only are we being better stewards of the money that we receive, but the money that we are given for a place to do church is being given to a place that positively impacts the community. 
That's what you call in our world a win-win, right? The community benefits because we have a little bit more left over to do ministry. And then the community benefits because the place that we do give money to be able to do church impacts the community. That's a win and a win. And we like win-wins in the pastoral leadership world. That's just where we live. We like those things. For a church with a vision to impact a city with the gospel, it just doesn't get any better than that, right? And then, then we learned This is what we learned. We learned of how easy and effective it was to do ministry in a place that is a community-rich environment. So I just wanted to share a few things with you that we've been able to do because of our time here at the YMCA. We, uh, we've, we've sponsored sports teams, like whole seasons of sports teams, so that kids can learn what it feels like to be part of a team. That you've, you've done that. We as a church, when I say we, I mean us, collectively, all of us. Because of what you've given to the church, we've been able to sponsor sports teams. We've sponsored and resourced the, the, the summer camp that meets here for kids that don't have a place to go during the day. They come to summer camp here at the YMCA. We provided resources for that. We actually taught at their chapel services uh, once a week. We were able to come and share the gospel with a bunch of summer camp kids. And that's awesome. We were able to do that as a church because of our relationship with the YMCA. And they came to us and said, hey, would you guys mind? Leading our chapel services once a week. Absolutely. Wait a minute. You want us to come and talk about Jesus to a bunch of kids? Let's think about this. Yes. Like, there's no, this is a no-brainer for us. It was easy. The empty stocking fund, we just talked about it a few minutes ago. On December the 2nd, we're all going to help the YMCA with their big community positive impact Christmas deal. We get to be part of that. And we have been for the last four years. The nights of worship that we hosted, we just had one last Sunday night. That's not a Fusion City Church night of worship. That is a community night of worship. But because we do church here, we were able to set up all of our stuff and bring the community in to worship our Savior together in a basketball gym. Isn't that awesome? Like a gym was the location for a night of worship. That's just cool to me. And some of y'all are smiling. Some of y'all are like, all right, get on with it. Like like, whatever. that that, That fires me up. I love that. The YMCA has hosted their corporate events here. And they're like, hey, would you guys mind setting up your stage and your screen and running sound for us? We're like, we'll hook it up. Like, we, we like being here. We'll, we'll do whatever we can to, to help you here. Jiggy with the piggy over the summer. A lot of us volunteer. The YMCA and Fusion City Church out there serving the community, doing good things in the community together side by side at Jiggy with the piggy, serving some people some wings, right? That's, that's not hard. But it's ministry. It's ministry when we make positive impacts. In the community last year, that there, was a, there was a bit of a scare here, a potentially dangerous situation. And the YMCA staff asked pastors to come and be here just in case, just in case somebody wanted to talk. That, I, I love that, that an organization in a time of potential crisis wanted the presence of men who would speak Christ over a situation. I just think any better than that for me. I cannot think of an area in this city that is more consistently community rich than this place has been. This place is kind of like Jacob's well. It's a place where the community gathers, a place where conversations should and could be happening on a regular basis that include Christ. And it's a Christian-based organization. I don't know if you guys, I mean, I think most of us probably know this. The the YMCA is a Christian-based organization. Their their mission statement, I looked it up this week, to put Christian 
principles into practice through programs that build healthy spirit, mind, and body for all. That's their mission statement. That's what they are trying to accomplish, to put Christian principles into place. Now, here's what's really cool. Not everybody that walks through these doors is a Christian. But they come to a Christian organization with Christian principles to do things even though they're not Christian. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that sound a whole lot like what a church should be? Man, God save us from the day where non-Christians don't feel comfortable around people from Fusion City Church. Like That's not a church I want to pastor. I want to be the, one of the pastors of a church where those who don't have a relationship with Jesus love coming just as much as those who do have a relationship with Christ. And we'll talk about the gospel and we'll share the gospel and we'll hope and pray and beg that God one day he changes their life. But until then, I just want them to be comfortable here. That's what a church is supposed to be. In case y'all didn't know, I just thought I'd clue you in. The church should be a gathering place of Christians. And that's, but it should be a place where people who aren't Christian want to be. And so as we've continued to do ministry here at the Y, we just really feel like God is leading us in a very particular direction as it pertains to our future as a church. And so uh, right now what I'd like to do is, is ask the, the, the other two members of the pastoral leadership team to join me on stage as we tell you what it is that we feel God is leading us to do for the foreseeable future for Fusion City Church. For those of you who aren't quite familiar with our structure here at Fusion City Church, we have three men that make up what we call the pastoral leadership team. Myself, I'm the teaching pastor of Fusion City Church. This is Jonah Boston. He is our worship and creative arts pastor and Quentin Long, our executive pastor. Now you guys rarely see us on stage together at the same time. This is a unique moment. Y'all should be taking pictures right now. Like this doesn't happen. A lot. We all, we all have very, very specific roles and functions that we, that we facilitate here at the church. And so oftentimes we're, just not, we're, not, we're not together all at one time because we're all running in different directions. But, but, but here's where, where we're headed as a church. For the last four and a half years, a recurring question to us has been, hey, when are we going to get a building? Are, are we, we going to build or are we going to buy a building? Are we going to upfit one? Like, like what are we going to do for a building? Because right now, I mean, the YMCA, it's great. But, like, when, when do we get the building? Like, when we, this, is, like this, is per, this is temporary. When do we do the permanent thing? And so we've, every building, every building, listen, every building in the city of Kannapolis that we thought might even possibly work as a church building, we went and looked at. And it's so cool to, to hang out with these guys because we, we, we've, we've hung out together so much now we kind of think alike, right? And so, like, every time we walk into one of these buildings, we begin to kind of daydream. And it's like, man, we could put this over here. We could lift that wall. We can move that back over there. This could be the kids' area. And this is where we can put, the, like, the worship area. And we can do, like, lights over here. And we can, we can set this up in this building, like, the lobby. And this will be where we serve. Like, we all start daydreaming together. And it's like, you can, you can all, like, in talking to them and, and then seeing it myself, you can almost see it all come together. And it's like, yeah, it's awesome. It's great. And every time that's happened, we felt like God said, mm, not here. Like, okay, okay, okay. So we look at the next. We've been approached twice now by, by church merger opportunities. Like, hey, our church is struggling. You guys are doing really well. How about we put your church and our church together and we go do something great for the kingdom? And Quentin has a saying that, that he says, we, we go until we get a no. I, I love that. That's exactly how we approach every opportunity. We go until we get a no. 
And the first one, it was like, no, in the first week. Like, it's like, nope, ain't going to work. Like, just shut that one down. Another one, we pursued a little bit further. We had meetings with some of our key leaders here at our church, key leaders from their church. And eventually God shut that door as well. And we learned a lot from that. We learned about how church is done in the city of Kannapolis and what it would take for two churches to come together. And we, we learned a lot from those experiences, but God shut the doors. And what we continued to come back to was how effectively and efficiently we've been able to do ministry right here at the YMCA. And so just a little while ago, the, the executive director of the Y here, he, he asked us, man, would you guys... Would you guys consider just making this a permanent thing? Like, we'd love for you to office here. We'd love for you to be here, like, forever. So we thought about it. We prayed about it. We sought wise counsel from other pastors. We met with boards from the YMCA. We met with our board of advisors. We talked extensively, nonstop for a while about what that looked like and what it sounded like. And, and here's... Here's what we've decided. This is home. If, if you were waiting for the big announcement, this is it. Yeah, we should clap because it's exciting. Look, this is the well. This is the, the YMCA has 3,600 members. 3,600. That's 3,600. 35,000 lost people in the city of Kannapolis. There are 3,600 people that come to the YMCA. That's 10% if you're doing math. 10% of the community comes here regularly because they're members here. I meet with pastors all the time. I, one of my roles on, on the staff here is to, to kind of be the, the, the handshake arm of Fusion City Church, shaking hands with other pastors and, and trying to establish relationships with other churches because we believe that whatever God wants to do in this city, he's going to do through all the churches. We believe that. So, so part of my role is to meet with other pastors. Can I tell you one of the things that they consistently lament to me about? Is, Brian, I don't know how to get my church into the community. Man, I don't know how to do it. Like forever and ever and ever, for as long as we've been a church, the community would come to us. Like, you guys remember when the church used to be awesome and everybody loved and respected and thought the church was a great place? Y'all remember those days? I remember those days. Those aren't the days anymore. The church is not as highly thought of as it used to be. And trying to convince church people to go to the community is a difficult task. And there's a lot of pastors that are struggling now. Imagine with me for a minute, right? Imagine, get this. Imagine a church where the community and the church are in the same location. Isn't that awesome? Can you think about the possibilities of that? How awesome that is? It's tremendous. I'm a little bit excited. So here's the question we have to answer. What does that mean for you? Anybody excited about making this your permanent home? Anybody excited about that at all? Like, I don't know if you ever have been without a home, but it gets a little dreary sometimes. You know, you don't, you don't know where to hang your hat. And so we're super excited today to be able to say uh, to, to all of us as Fusion City Church, to the YMCA, that we're going to be here. This is, this is where home is. If we're going to call this place home, then we really, we really need to own that. And there are two very clear, practical next steps that everyone on this stage has taken, and we're going to ask all of you to take that step with us as a church. And I want to share the first very, very practical, 
very practical step with you. I want you to join the YMCA. What do you think? Yo, like, that dude, I just met him, but he just lost his mind. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. If this really is a modern-day Jacob's Well, if this really is the community hotspot where we have access, the church, if Jesus through you has access to 3,600 people, why would we not join and be a part of that? Now, all cards on the table. I'm a part. I'm on the board here at the YMCA. They wanted us to be a part of that. I decided to go. I'm on the board here, but I need you to hear me. The YMCA did not ask me to get on this stage and ask you to be a member. Now, I told them that I was going to do this, and they are giddy, giddy. I don't know the last time you saw a schoolgirl that's giddy. That was the YMCA. They were giddy. They liked this idea. I'm here on behalf of pastoral leadership team and our board of advisors and telling you we're part of this YMCA. We're members. We want you to be members of the YMCA. I don't know if your kids play sports, but I want you to consider your kids playing sports here. I want you to meet families that you might not have met before that are affiliated, associated with this community that we have decided to adopt and join and partner with and reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you, you work out. Some of you, I do know if you work out. I'm just speaking. All right. Some of you, some of you, I don't know if you work out. I don't know if you go somewhere else. I want you to start working out here. I want you to work out here. I want you to use the pool here. I want you to start using the gym here. I want everyone in this room to be a part of the YMCA so that you start meeting new folks. And I don't want you to shove Jesus down their throat. That's not what we're asking you to do. We just want you to start rubbing elbows with folks in this community. Now, the three of us could do that, and we can make some progress. But can you imagine just for a moment, instead of just three people doing that, if 200 or 300 people started just completely overtaking this YMCA with Christian principles and values, and all that we would do is show up, do what we need to, rub some elbows, meet some folks, start loving on people, start serving people, and just start caring for people. This community, they need to be loved on, they need to be served, they need to be cared for. And that's what God has called us to do. And we can do that much more uh, efficiently if you were to join the YMCA. I don't know if any of you have ever played sports before in your life or have a particular sport that you like. The YMCA needs coaches. Why, why shouldn't it be that the, the, the Fusion City Church, that we facilitate all of the coaching staff here at the YMCA, what, what if we actually became part of the YMCA like we're talking about? What if? What if the lines start getting a little bit blurry and we're not really sure if this is Fusion City Church or, or the YMCA or what's going What if things get a little bit blurry and we just start making a positive impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ? What if that happens? Can you picture it? Can you picture that? Seriously consider being a part of the YMCA. Today, on your way out, today on your way out, the Y has staffed their front desk. 
And often we walk by that and, uh, two or three times a day and, and don't pay much attention. But today, it's going to be staffed. And the Y said that they want to make sure that they have folks here just in case there's folks in here that are willing to take this partnership seriously and stop by the desk and join this YMCA and make a difference in this YMCA. They have all the information for you. I'm not on YMCA staff. I don't know all the details. All I know is that, folks, if we're going to take this partnership seriously, we can't afford not. We can't afford not to participate and partner with the YMCA in a major, major, major way, and that is membership. That is membership. I talked to a guy at the YMCA. He is actually head of a Christian emphasis um, in Indiana. I was talking to him the other day. I was in a meeting with him, and uh, he said uh, very much the same thing that I'm telling you. Join the Y, join the Y, join the Y. He was a part of the Y. He met a, a gentleman, and for 10 years... Ten years, he loved and served and cared for that gentleman. Loved and served and cared over and over and over and over again. Eventually, the gentleman ended up in a nursing facility, a nursing home. He went to the nursing home. This guy's name is Josh, the the, the guy that I was talking to. Josh goes to the nursing home, continues to visit, continues to build a relationship, never preaches to the guy, never shoves Jesus down his throat, just loved him, served him, and cared for him. And the gentleman says, Josh, why, why do you keep coming? Why do you keep coming? And Josh said, he opened the door. And then I was able to tell him about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, why for 10 years I loved and served and cared for him. It took 10 years for Josh to, to, to work on this relationship. But after 10 years, he was able to present the gospel to this gentleman that otherwise has been just completely against anything Jesus-related in, 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 his, in his past, in his growing up. Guys, I, I, don't, I don't know who you might meet here. I don't know what the next 10 years looks like as you start building relationships. But if you're serious about Fusion City Church, we need to be serious about the YMCA. If you're serious about spreading the gospel in the community that we live in and we work in and we play in, then we've got to be serious about partnering with the YMCA and start those relationships now. Don't wait another moment. We all, we all need to be a part of the YMCA. Amen? Amen. Hey, church. Man, you... You guys look good with the lights on. It's awesome. And all of you are here. Usually when the lights are on when we first start, there's like half this many people here. So, man, this is awesome. So good to see you. I'm so excited about this partnership. Like Brian said, this has been about an eight-month process. And, man, we have just been leaning in and praying about this for our church. And every single step of the way, we just feel confirmation after confirmation of what God is doing. I I believe this is going to be... Just an incredible step. Like, I, I went to, to Bible college and studied a lot of church planting stuff, and I, I hang out with a lot of church planters and a lot of worship pastors, and I've never heard of a church doing something like this. Like, this is something that feels fresh and new, and like, man, maybe, just maybe, God is at work here, literally putting us in a position to where the community is coming in our doors and we can serve 
and partner with them. Man, that's, that's exciting for me. I, I love that idea and that concept. And like Brian said, we have a couple things. Quentin, uh, talked to you about one of those ways. That's a next step for you today. I want to talk about another next step for us. Here, here's what, what we want from each and every person here today is we want you to partner with us in giving financially. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We talked about budgeting and about, you know, we're in this series called Choices. So we talked about, hey, you have to make a choice about what to do with your finances. You know, finance is one of those things that's kind of taboo to talk about in church. We're going to just like bulldoze straight through that today and talk about it. And I, I get to do it because on staff, I'm the teddy bear. That's what everybody says. But I don't, I don't know about it. Ask my wife. She probably has a different story about me being a teddy bear. But here today is what I want you to do. Uh, just like Quentin said, the three of us could make an impact in the community. Same, same goes for our church financially is that, uh, you know, there's a rule in churches that about 20% of the people make up 80% of serving and 80% of the finances. Our church really hits that accurately with finances. You know, there are only 18 people in our church that uh, have reoccurring giving set up so that they automate the importance. So here's what I want you to do today is this, this is for all of us. We want to take our step, not, you know, this isn't about giving to a mortgage company. We've all been a part of churches where somebody came out on a, on a stage just like this and they talked to you and said, hey, we're backed up against some financial stress right now. We got bill collectors calling. We can't, you know, if we're going to keep the lights on, if we're going to keep toilet paper coming in, then you need to, that's not what we're asking today. We're, we're healthy right now. We're doing great as a church. Here's what I want for us to do is for all of us to partner together so that we can have a greater impact. Brian talked about some of the sports teams and things that we've been able to fund and, uh, and kids getting a positive experience in their lives because literally the funds that we collect as Fusion City Church are going right back into this community. I believe that there are many more opportunities for us to do that. So I'm talking to you today. If you have never given, I want you to, to make that choice today to say, hey, I, I'm going to sacrificially give because I believe in the ministry of this church. This is my home. I, I have benefited. My family has benefited. I've seen God do great things here, and I'm going to support this ministry because I believe that God has even greater things in store for us. Maybe you give from time to time. Maybe that's just a, kind of something you do if you get a bonus here or there, or, you know, hey, it was just a good month. We didn't eat out as much, and I'm, I'm going to give. I'm, I'm asking you today to step up and make that a priority every single month. For me and, and my wife and my family, what that looks like is we had to budget. You know, Brian talked about that a couple weeks ago about how he believes that most of us deep down, we really do want to give, but we just don't believe that we can. We don't believe that we have enough. You have to budget that out. And, and your next step today might be to sit down and talk with me or with Pastor Brian or Pastor Quentin and say, hey, I, I just, I want to do that, but I need help with a budget. And we would be glad to do that. Uh, but that has to come out first, top of, the, top of the list. That's our first budget item. We give God first because we believe that he provides enough after we give. We don't wait till the end of the month and it's the last thing on our list because when that happens, I, I like to go to Ruth's Chris or somewhere and eat steaks too much, you know, and then I don't have any money left over to give. So asking you to, to do that, the best way that you can do that is to automate that online. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe, maybe that's your next step is that you need to automate your giving today. 
And maybe you're doing great with giving. Maybe, maybe this is a regular thing for you. It's a spiritual discipline that you learn. Maybe you have a church background. A lot of our folks, a lot of you guys didn't grow up in church. So that, this whole idea of giving is kind of a new concept to you. But maybe you grew up in church and maybe this is kind of a normal thing. Here's what I'm asking for you to do today is to lean in and give more sacrificially than you are today. Pray about that with your family today. Hey, what is God speaking to you as we really put roots down into this community? You know, I, I love what Quentin said. We've, we haven't had a home. I like to think of it as we've kind of been dating the YMCA and we just put an engagement ring on their finger, all right? We're getting married and this process is gonna kind of play out in the next year to where some, some changes are coming, some things to, that, to make us feel more permanent and like this is our home. You know, Brian talked about our office space that we're going to be able to have here to, to be able to be available to our community all throughout the week. And uh, this is the time for us to get serious as we literally take a next step as a church body. We made a great choice. We believe God's all over this. I'm so excited. I hope that you're excited about this too. And as we literally, everyone in this room, I know it's sometimes it kind of feels like stage and congregation or stage and audience, but we believe we're a church family. We believe we're all in this together and that every single person has a part to play. God has you here today for a reason. I believe that. And he wants to do something in your life. So that's, that's what we want you to do. We want you to get involved at the YMCA. Get plugged in. Make an impact in this community. This is our mission field. God has just dropped a mission field right in our lap, you know, eight months ago when we were approached about, hey, what if we made this a, a marriage? What if we made this a permanent partnership? This is our mission field. You know, if you were a missionary in a foreign country, how would you, how would you live? How would you be intentional about the way that you interacted with the community? That's, that's what I want for us to do, for me and for you. And how can we give to fund so much more than what we're seeing right now? It reminds me of the church in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. You know, in, in the Ephesian church in that city, it was impossible for people to make a living off of immoral or, you know, living in the crime world because that city was so radically changed by Jesus that criminals couldn't make a living. They couldn't, they didn't have clientele because people weren't interested in that. I'm believing that for our city. I'm believing that God wants to do a move in Kannapolis like we've never seen and that's gonna shake our, our country and to the ends of the world. That's what God wants to do through this church and through his church in the city of Kannapolis. So who believes that our best days are ahead of us? The best is yet to come. I believe that. Hope you believe that too. Amen. Man, I hope you guys are excited as we are. Uh, I, I can't, for me, this is what this does for us is this, this sets our stake in the ground for the future. Now we know where we're going and now we know, like Quentin said, we're home. We've been kind of missing that. It's always kind of felt like home, but now it feels so official to me. And there's no better feeling than knowing that you're home. And that's what this is for us. And for me and for, and for the pastoral leadership team, we truly do believe that this is a way of doing church differently when a time of doing church differently is desperately needed. And we hope that this will be the catalyst not only for this location, but in cities all over that they will begin to do life, do church in the community-rich environments that God presents for them. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. God, we are grateful for the vision that you've given us as a church. And God, now for this new opportunity set before us to live in and do ministry in this community-rich environment 
that you've placed before us. God, would you give us a heart for the people of this community so that we, our hearts will be broken, God, for the things that break your heart. And much like the Samaritan woman that walks to a place that day hoping to see no one, God, I pray that you would send those to this location that don't know what they need, but God, that they would radically be changed by an encounter with Christ through one of his servants, your church. We love you, Father. We thank you for the time we've had here together today. God, we pray for wisdom and direction as we seek what it looks like in this new season of our church, your church, God. And we entrust it all to you because you are worthy and because we know of your great love for us. So in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen and amen. You guys have a great week.